Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. There's a fine line between genius and insanity, and we're walking it. It's the Marketing Madhouse. I'm Moira Vetter, your host for Marketing Madhouse. Today, we're diving into the crazy world of healthcare marketing and exploring the importance of diversity in leadership and in business. And my guest today is longtime friend Casey Hughley, Vice President of Marketing at Monlica US, uh, a medical solutions company. And she has worked at the best of the best. I know when people think about brands, they think about companies like Coca-Cola. Um, but she's also worked at GlaxoSmithKline and Eli Lilly. And uh, as a kid raised by a pharmacist, I am all about those brands. Um, but I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got your start in marketing? Absolutely. So thanks for having me, first yeah. of all, Moira. And I have to say, as another kid raised by a pharmacist, my dad um, uh, has been for, I don't even know, forever. It's kind of cool to touch those same brands, too. Mm -hmm. Didn't even realize I was going to do it. But um, let's see, a little bit about me. So... I went to high school in Atlanta, uh, went to one of the best colleges in the world, Howard University mm -hmm. um, in D.C., and then um, quickly moved into pharmaceutical sales. Thought I was going to be a journalist. Mm -hmm. Really thought that was going to be my life. So being on, on uh, the did microphone all the time. Did you get recruited on campus I did for that? get recruited mm -hmm. on campus mm -hmm. um, and thought I was just going to do it for about a year uh -huh. and never looked back. So, mm -hmm. so there is that. Um, but moved all over, did a lot in sales, thought sales was going to be my path, mm -hmm. and then got sucked into marketing. So we'll we'll talk about that, but it, it's kind of crazy how paths change and you end up doing what you're supposed to. Um, I, uh, I'm married, have mm -hmm. three kids. My oldest is in college, and it's a crazy time. Yes. So, Quite a shift yes. that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe I'm old enough to have a child in I college, know. but... We'll talk You're about not. that later. You're Thank not. you. Thank yeah. you. I'm just a baby. <laughs> and um, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, marketing is, and I firmly believe this, marketing is very much an extension of sales, but it's mm -hmm. figuring out totally. how to sell differently, yep. you know? And I think sometimes it seems very intimidating to people, mm -hmm. but we have to figure out how are people going to know about brands how it's are ha gonna... handling all those other objections that exactly. the salesperson doesn't doesn't have time know to feel. they're yeah, not yeah. going to yeah. think about it and it's also creating the demand for the salespeople so that it makes it that much easier for them mm -hmm. but people just they they don't get it and i mm -hmm. didn't get it until i jumped into this crazy world mm -hmm. for sure well you know it's funny you said uh you know well, you thought you'd be a journalist. Mm -hmm. I was going to go to film school. Right. And then uh, I was a salesperson first, and then I was a marketing person. And having been a salesperson, I, I talked to a lot of, um, you know, collegiate marketers. Mm -hmm. And uh, at KSU, I'm on the board at KSU, and they have the School of Professional Sales and Marketing. And they oh. have a sales school there, and there are some courses that, that people that come through that marketing program do. And I always say to the marketing people, there is no better grounding in how to be a marketer than to, you know, wear the hat Absolutely. of a salesperson. And carry the bag. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It really does. You don't understand. And I think you get, we used to call it um, at Coca-Cola operational marketing. Mm -hmm. um, and I now say that some of the best people on my team are smarketers. That's what we, <laughs> you know, it's it, because you started in sales and you understand the realism that mm -hmm. comes with marketing. You don't just live pie in the sky. We you need to be strategic. You named the episode with smarketers. That's, smarketers. That's yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it really, it's it's amazing. So so you've dropped the Coca-Cola uh, yeah. uh, word a couple yeah. of times. And, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, you grew up here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And when I came to Atlanta, everybody associates everybody. Atlanta with Coca-Cola and obviously one of the most major brands in the whole world, um, probably in every case study for 
you know, everything for, for, for business every school. School. Yes, for yep. business school and marketing and all of that. And so that was when you and I first worked together. Uh, was it marketing? And, um, you know, one of the things that I always enjoyed about that, from a pharmacy standpoint, we always pointed out that Coke was a healthcare company, a pharmaceutical company, before it was anything else. Um, but can you just talk a little bit about Coke? I mean, it's such a, you know, it, it's it's a legendary company. Monster brand. Uh, and you are now at Monlica, which is a Swedish healthcare company. Mm-hmm. So probably there are a lot of people that say, how do you go how do you do that? from Coke to that? <laughs> so talk a little bit about Coke and sure. then talk about your, your path. Absolutely. So it's, it's a very interesting journey actually to get to Coke. So mm-hmm. um, like we said, I was in pharmaceuticals, I was in sales, um, and I was in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. And I met my um, soon-to-be husband at the time. And we got married and I got pregnant. And mm-hmm freaked out because Mm -hmm. I had never planned to be a mom Mm -hmm. just didn't think that was my path and we moved to Atlanta and so I took a step back from sales and said okay I'm gonna be a Mm stay-at-home and after about a year I was like no no I don't think I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom (laughs) I think that's not my path and so I met uh, a woman who was head of sales at like a play date Mm -hmm. just and we started talking about Mm -hmm. different things and she said do you want to keep watching kids and I was mm-hmm. like no no I don't and um, for all those people that don't think business happens when you are a stay oh mom, my right? goodness the play date is the, the best date. networking environment I mean who is. knew yep. to go from yep. a play date to getting a job yeah. and she you know we talked about sales and she said gosh it's really you know this could be one of the most challenging things for you Mm -hmm. and I was like come on I used to sell heart failure drugs and I used to be in the (laughs) OR and she's like I promise you you will see and so long story short ended up in sales at Mm -hmm. Coke and um, started in a variety of different places but I landed in what Coca-Cola calls on-premise which Mm -hmm. basically means you are not there to drink beverages Mm -hmm. but you consume on site so like college campuses and hospitals and workplaces Mm -hmm. and after a couple of years I was doing really well and then Coke started to get attacked um, in the healthcare space Mm -hmm. a lot of hospitals decided to put up the stoplight system if any of you have ever been in a hospital you might see like red means don't touch it they would put like bags of sugar next to things Uh, and of course it was always the soda I'm like no not the ice cream not the fry you know the french fries but it's it's the soda Um, yellow was with caution and green was go for it so that Mm -hmm. was basically just water and healthcare was not a space that coke was comfortable with Mm -hmm. most people don't read the labels most people don't understand sweeteners and so I got asked because I was so comfortable in hospitals right, with my background. Right. Hey, can you help us come up with a strategy? Right. What are for the healthy to, angles exactly so, yeah. to approach mm-hmm. this world? Yeah. And I didn't really, I hadn't thought about that because I'm like, I've always been a salesperson, mm-hmm. but the ideas just started flowing. Mm-hmm. We came up with a whole team just mm-hmm. to work on. We called it Live Positively, mm-hmm. and um, and it was just sort of trial by fire for mm-hmm. marketing, but mm-hmm. that's what started my path. Well, and I remember the the Diet Coke yep. and the nursing stuff, yep. right? I mean, you know, you're talking about being on premise. It's mm-hmm. not just the patients. No, it's, it's the it's employees. Everybody there. It's everybody. Yeah. 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 And it, it, you know, that was one of the big things was nurses gravitated towards Diet Coke. They Mm -hmm. would consume six to 12 a day, depending on the nurse. But everybody kept thinking Coca-Cola. And so we had to think about how do we brand differently. And so, you know, I was thinking about some of the, as I was getting ready for this, one of the biggest things, and I think one of the riskiest things I ever did was to go to the head of North America sales and say, I don't want to put a Coca-Cola sign on anything in Mm -hmm. a hospital. Mm -hmm. And for it to be the flagship brand, but we wanted to put the Diet Coke sign and the Coca-Cola Zero sign, because that just... Mentally, it's amazing how a color can shift yeah. and not having the red. But it was, it's it, so it, it smart. It was a game changer. It was the thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I remember too at the time, uh, you know, and I, you think about this with, uh, you know, global brands that have portfolio. You mm-hmm. have a portfolio now, but, yeah. you know, just different portfolios. Sure. I remember looking at Total Beverage Solution mm-hmm. and it was when all these acquisitions are going on yep. with water brands and tea. Yeah. And it's like, this is the time to push to leverage all, all of those, those other brands. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a big, that was a big deal for Coke because for so long it was all about the sodas, but they realized 
they had to diversify. There mm-hmm. were so many other brands. They called them the still brands mm-hmm. versus sparkling. Yep. But you're right. We had to do it. And to put them front and center mm-hmm. was a pretty big pivot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that's the beauty of marketing. You mm-hmm. you have to take risks. And yep. when you do, you know, hopefully they pay off. Yep. Um, so, uh, you just said diversify. And so I'm going to touch on this for a minute. Um, so we're, we are, uh, powerful women in the world. Uh, and you know, in healthcare, you, there's, there are different pockets and I've worked in technology. You've worked in a lot of healthcare. Mm -hmm. There are places that you see women very heavily, such as the, uh, nursing area. Mm -hmm. And I want to sort of break this apart and do a little bit and then we'll go to a break, but can you just, from your standpoint, um, how how have things changed from mm. 20 years ago to 10 years ago to now? Gosh, it's such a good question. You know, I think 20 years ago, most of the women were in support roles, mm-hmm. like nursing, mm-hmm. like technicians, mm-hmm. like the administrative kind of more junior staff. Mm-hmm. Um, even from an industry perspective and those calling on healthcare, it was still still very much kind of the more junior salespeople, mm-hmm. maybe a sales manager, the occasional head of sales, but pretty infrequent. And then 10 years ago, I think we started to see more of an explosion. There were more women. One, mm-hmm. just more women going to college. Yep. So then more women who were in, you know, physicians. Yep. Then more women who were having more seats at the table, at least from a, a D level perspective. Okay, this is a strange sideways question, yep. and, and then we'll probably go to the break. But uh, I made the assumption immediately when you mm-hmm. said I was at Howard, and then I, and I was like, oh, they recruited you on campus, mm-hmm. right? Because you're, you know, you can really present well, and I can, and, and you're tall. You know, and I'm with, tall. And you're tall. So, you know, I, I can imagine you going in there, but do they recruit men on campuses? For is, I, I always had that assumption, yeah. again, going back 20 years ago. Sure. It's like, we're going to find all the attractive women, and we're going to make them pharmaceutical salespeople. That is, that is so funny that you say that, because, let's see, for my my new higher class probably 75 percent percent of us were mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. so yeah i, I mean because if that has switched, a lot right? of Is the it, yeah. oh absolutely mm-hmm. it's definitely mm-hmm. pivoted but think about it i mean i hate to say it but mm-hmm. most of the physicians were male right so you know right who to look at yeah but yeah. young women right we're gonna get and... this medication <laughs> in here one way or the other <laughs> but what made it hard was usually the the we call them the gatekeeper that receptionist or whoever else at the front door mm-hmm. They were female, so and yeah. they didn't care about us at all. So you can yeah, turn that bag around and wheel exactly. it right back. Get out on of out of yeah. here because he doesn't want to see you. But it, it's crazy <laughs> that you say that because now it has pivoted. I mean, I, I actually was just at a National Psoriasis um, Foundation event this weekend, uh-huh. and most of the people who were recognized uh-huh. were female dermatologists. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of yeah. interesting how I mean I'm dating myself, yeah. but yeah, 20 years mm-hmm. what a difference. It's it's exciting to see things it is. come full circle. It definitely is. All right, well we're going to go to a break and we will dig in a little deeper into some of the challenges of healthcare marketing. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. We're back with our guest, Casey Hughley, VP of Marketing at Monlica. And so we worked together years ago, uh, but we had a little pause in there, and we didn't start working together again until just before the pandemic in 2020. And I mean the week that it happened. Yes. Um, And so obviously when you think about marketing, it's always been interesting, but particularly in the healthcare space. um, What drove your business and your marketing decisions then in, in you know three years ago versus now 
Oh, gosh. I mean, dramatic difference. So I think one of the things that shocked me leaving consumer Mm -hmm. was that healthcare is probably 10 to 20 years behind when it comes to Mm -hmm. advances in marketing, like digital marketing. Yeah. Uh, When I walked into Malika, so I started November of 19, the week I got there, there was a room that was just held for like sales collateral like paper oh a materials, whole room like a, a library like the paper. like a yeah. yeah just of paper just yeah. of stuff and i was like what's here what and you know of course the day you print it is the day it's old yeah so yeah. i couldn't believe that and mm-hmm. they said oh well, we can turn it into a pdf mm-hmm. and i was like okay no but so <laughs> so you talk about a driver so five months later we're in a pandemic mm-hmm. i don't have salespeople being able to go yeah. into facilities to hand out paper right so I, how do you move and create a digital world yeah, for people ideas. who don't yeah. understand digital? Mm-hmm. So that was a big driver for us mm-hmm. because we needed to get information mm-hmm. to caregivers and to clinicians in a way that they could access easily. Mm-hmm. But I think the second driver that was really important for us is that these were people who were on the front lines every day. Mm-hmm. You know, we were all locked behind at home yep. in the comfort of our homes. They were not, didn't yep. have that luxury. Yep. So how do you get to their mind share right. and be sympathetic to what they're dealing with, mm-hmm. but also make sure that they are able to meet the needs of patients? Yeah. And so I think that was huge. The difference now is we're still struggling with Mindshare. Mm-hmm. We're still trying to market to them. But now it's because so many left the industry. Mm-hmm. In the last three years, we've seen a mass exodus mm-hmm. for nurses, for physicians, mm-hmm. for techs. I mean, it's and it's across mm-hmm. the board, but in healthcare in general, we don't have we're at a nursing shortage. We're mm-hmm. at a physician sort shortage. So there are a lot less people doing a whole lot more mm-hmm. and so how do we get to them and help them understand we, we helped you with one of those because you during did. the first couple of weeks of yep. the the pandemic we had one person uh leave to go become a nurse she moved back home <laughs> she had just relocated to atlanta and she's like i'm we gonna go be that. a nurse yes right. absolutely needed that now i think you know you bring up a really you know we talk about mind share all the time but mm-hmm. i think there is something about being honest about what mindset people are in and what they are dealing with and whether it is, you know, uh, healthcare professionals in a pandemic or whether it is financial services people in the midst mm-hmm. of a recession and mm-hmm. crazy, you know, you're only going to get so much of their mind share. Absolutely. So, so there's a couple of things which are knowing where you fit and being realistic about that. But then the other thing is how do you, how do you get better impact right. from the things uh, sure. and, and be realistic? All right, so so you talked a little about you know this getting getting off of paper uh, <laughs> and, and sort of moving into <laughs> the mindshare. Yeah. Um, but so from from where you are today, yeah. H- how have those how have those things changed? What you know what what are you thinking about now in terms of marketing? As of course I already said, there's a recession. Yeah. I, I sort of teed that up a little <laughs> bit, but. Uh, so it's financially interesting sure. in the world. So, so what is what is your what are your greatest couple of things that you're looking at now that are impacting? Yeah, well, I mean, I still have to walk it back to in the pandemic, and you remember the government offered just a lot of dollars to healthcare facilities, mm-hmm. so they were more more focused on what's the best thing, irrespective mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. price, for mm-hmm. patients, for our team. Mm-hmm. Now, so many hospitals are operating in the red Uh and just a little bit of growth is great. None of them really Mm -hmm. operate in the black. So what we're trying to do is go back to the message that we had three years ago of value because something cheap today Mm -hmm. is going to send a patient back to them sometime. Mm -hmm. So what might feel great sticker price is not going to be good long term. And so really trying to bundle a solution Mm -hmm. that says, I get it, it might be a little bit more expensive on the front end. Mm -hmm. And we all live in how much does it cost today, but being able to offset that with, wouldn't it be better if you do the right things now that those patients don't come back? Because that's really where they get penalized the most. Well, you know, I think... um, I'm, I just made a note about, you know, remember why you spend the money that you mm-hmm. spend. I think that is that is a harder case to make. Uh, and I've worked on a lot of premium brands. Sure. And I've worked on a lot of companies that have maybe a longer term value proposition mm-hmm. than people that are very short term or cost only kind yep. of things. And, um, you know, it, it's just 
it is, you know, you kind of have to do more math. You have to do more education, right? I, you know, uh, everybody's always wondering what's all this content going to be about. The content mm-hmm. is going to be about these journeys and, and what if, mm-hmm. right? A lot of what if yep. scenarios. Well, it's funny you say that because really when you talk about the math, we're also changing who our customer is too. Mm-hmm. So our customer used to be the nurse, the physician, because they had all the power uh, to make those decisions. Now it's procurement, mm-hmm. it's the C-suite, it's people who are looking at everything. And so we have to go mm-hmm. to the math. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about short-term impact, long-term impact. And that changes all of the things that we try to message mm-hmm. because now it's not just about you know patient impact. It has to be about the broader thing, yep. P&L, ultimate budget. Yep. So it's a it's an interesting pivot from who our customer was yeah. to who our current customer is. You know, we have another client. It's not healthcare, but a, a similar thing. We always would think of it as the three-legged stool when we would go to market with a message. So there's a, a company that is a, in the wire and cable space. And so you would always have to have the message for the engineer, the message for procurement, and then the message for the person that is the installer mm-hmm. or, the, right, the, you know, let's call them the end user. But the person that has to install or maintain the thing and so you know those three groups of people have entirely different consideration Mm -hmm. sets they come into the opportunity at different places Mm -hmm. um so so let's talk about that a little more um you know so in terms of of healthcare specifically um and, and we do a lot there you know not unlike the example I just gave, there is a lot of complexity. There are all these different decision makers. And, you know, I had just made some notes about, you know, there's innovation and offerings. There's all these changes going on in terms of payments and money and how money changes hands uh, in a healthcare environment. And then just from some of my past work with healthcare, constant consolidation, constantly right it's just but i thought they were the customer well they were got acquired by somebody Mm -hmm. else and then as soon as you retrench and establish Mm -hmm. yourself somebody else so with all those moving dynamics can you talk a little bit about how how does that how does that create opportunity for you how does it create challenges how do you sure yeah i mean i i think the consolidation is probably one of the biggest ones because now the independent community hospitals can't be on their own. Mm -hmm. So consolidation really is critical for them to be able to stay afloat. And so this, the environment that used to be a bit fragmented of group purchasing organizations, so basically it's just collective buying power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, They have grown um, to be, there's, there's, there used to be 10, 12 in the industry. Now there's three. Mm-hmm. And they make a lot of decisions yep. and all of the hospitals want to be a part of one of them because mm-hmm. then they can get, you know, the more the more facilities that are part of that, then the cheaper better, right. prices better the and price. the yeah. better access to different things. And so we're talking to them. So as you talk about mm-hmm. that three legged stool, those GPOs are really important mm-hmm. for us now. Um, integrated delivery networks. So basically a hospital used to just be a hospital. Mm-hmm. Now we have to talk to the head of IDNs, so a hospital could have five more hospitals in their their space, plus a couple of clinics, some home health agencies. Like, there's just a lot Mm -hmm. more that are part of, like here in Atlanta, Northside has way more than just Mm -hmm. Northside main campus off of Johnson Ferry. There's Northside Forsyth, and there's Northside Gwinnett, and Mm -hmm. they're just more and more Northsides. It doesn't mean the hospital is brand new, but... They got gobbled up by Northside. And so I think that's the interesting dynamic is we know the players, Mm -hmm. but there's less of them now. Mm -hmm. And those decision makers have changed. So talking to them. And then I think the third is the patient and therefore their caregivers sometimes are if if they are in a space where they need a Mm -hmm. caregiver. They're becoming so much smarter, which is great for mm-hmm. all of us. We have access mm-hmm. to everything. And pharmaceuticals used to be the only ones that really talked to patients. Mm-hmm. Now all of us um, need to talk yeah. to patients because yeah. you can Google anything. Yep. You can be somewhere. Our, and Our director of media always talks about Dr. Google. Yeah, right. I mean, yep. it's yep. what we all rely mm-hmm. on. And mm-hmm. so if the information out there is not 
viable Mm -hmm. and meaningful and hopefully credible, Mm -hmm. then people can go down really different paths. So I think we are really thinking about it in a very different way than even a a patient of 20 years ago Mm -hmm. or even 10 years ago. Yes, Dr. Google is super real. (laughs) So, you know, this is interesting where you're talking about the the consolidation into the, you know, the the GPOs down Mm -hmm. from 10 or 12 down to three. We, years ago, we had a, a client that was um, uh, that was bought out of conservatorship mm-hmm. because there were only three, you know, the government said, we got to keep this business going. There are only three people that do this, so they can't fail, right? Mm-hmm. And, we gotta, and so private equity was brought in and said, stand this up and keep this thing viable because we're going to end up in monopoly territory mm-hmm. if we can't keep it going. But when, when you're down to essentially three GPOs, how do you... How do you bring? How do you give enough voice, I guess, to the clinical mm-hmm. decision makers? And how do you, you know, how, how do you manage that? When yeah, it's tricky. Um, I think what's helpful is that each of the GPOs still wants to rely on the clinical value mm-hmm. at the end of the day that they bring because what they're doing is now fighting. Northside can say, "Do I want to be a part of?" A GPO mm-hmm. versus B GPO versus mm-hmm. C. So we need them to see why this one would be more viable. Mm-hmm. So we're the clinical is still the foundation. Mm-hmm. It's really just then obviously cost mm-hmm. is a big driver as well as also access. So for us, what's really important is being able to talk to them about the categories that we mm-hmm. play in and why it makes sense to sometimes what they'll do is say we're only going to have one supplier or Mm -hmm. we're going to have multiple suppliers Mm -hmm. and so we try to talk to them about the value of sometimes when it is necessary to have two or why it's important for us to just have uh, just have one well and and that reminds me of again you get a special specification right there's only one offering that that, does this does this and therefore we need to get specced in right and then if not you know i think sometimes where our credibility increases is when we say hey look we're really good at this part of the category Mm -hmm. but we know we don't have the full offering Mm -hmm. so we think it would be smart for you to have a couple of suppliers Mm -hmm. i think our credibility goes a really long way when we can say that versus oh no we're going to meet all your needs, mm-hmm. except for this and this and this. Right. And I think that's where um, our industry is right now, of mm-hmm. just trying to say, okay, let's niche it out. So categories yeah. are really important, but it, it is an interesting space. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, you know, a finite number of hospitals, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, even that number is yeah. shrinking. So, yeah. you know, mind share, back mm-hmm. to mind share mm-hmm. is just so critical. And it can't just be dollars. It mm-hmm. also has to be clinical. Yeah. Um, so some of the listeners um, that that you know end up listening to this podcast, particularly if they're listening on radio, are small business owners. Um, and you know, small business owners, you know, you 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 can make whatever decision you want, right? You can take risks with your marketing. Um, you know, uh, you're not regulated, yeah. but you know, healthcare is very different. And so we we work with clients that are in healthcare and you know, financial services where there is a tremendous amount of regulation. But how do you be in a space like that and still push the envelope mm-hmm. enough or take enough risk to make a difference or to to through how to, how to, especially having come from Coke. Oh, where I sure. Know there's all kinds of risk taking <laughs> that goes on there every day. Yeah. 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 So how did, how did you bring that in, or how do you do that? Well, you know, I think you're always trying to. I feel like the uh, I'd rather get it eighty or ninety percent right um, than wait for a hundred percent. So mm-hmm. I feel like you can always take a little bit of a risk. But one of the things that I'm actually really proud of that we're doing with you guys right now mm-hmm. at Motomoto is. Um, we're about to brand bus stops Mm -hmm. and in a hospital Mm -hmm. which a med device company has never done to our knowledge Mm -hmm. and so it's not like we're still regulated in the things that we can say but Mm -hmm. we can try different places Mm -hmm. we can put our message in different areas that we think will intersect with the people who are making those decisions and right and And that's completely radical what What? did i just see something Mm -hmm. and yes we understand most of procurement is not going to be at a bus stop but Mm -hmm. they're going to drive by Mm -hmm. 
they might be mm-hmm. standing talking to someone and it catches their eye. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we just have to be in disruptive places. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that I'm always willing to push mm-hmm. and try and take a risk. I love that idea of being in disruptive. You know, I think people always think it means you have to be disruptive, right. you know, say something disruptive, but just being somewhere people don't expect yeah. to see you. Why is, not? Yeah, yeah, especially from Mindshare. Yes. Um, okay, so since this is the madhouse, we like to talk about crazy things. And and uh, we've co- we've had some doozies, uh, and I encourage you to tell me something nuts that has happened to you, and it could be something you were asked to do or a situation. So what's something? Crazy? Yeah, I mean, I, I I teased it a bit before um, with what I did at Coca Cola, but I will say, if most of us, anybody listening, and obviously for you and I who've been around, unfortunately, more than twenty little, years, little you while, know, a little, little while. while. Yep. Most of the time when you think about a Coca-Cola machine of Mm -hmm. any kind, it was always red. Yep. Always. Like people go and hunt out at um, like yard sales, Mm -hmm. like those red vending machines. Right. Yep. Yep. And we knew that red was offensive Mm -hmm. in a healthcare space. Mm -hmm. And so to invest in changing the outside of any machine, whether it was a cooler, mm-hmm. vending machine, whatever, to be silver or black oh boy. to reflect Diet Coke or Coke Zero was mm-hmm. huge. Because mm-hmm. we're talking millions of dollars in investment. Yep. Now, sure, for Coke, that was a bit of a drop in the pan. But regardless, mm-hmm. it was walking yeah, away it, from Coca-Cola the, Red. The hard shift was not the money spent on the machines. No, it was, it the, was the, the shift the decision. Yeah. and the yeah. decision that... that as a director, and I'm going to the president of North America mm-hmm. and saying, you need to do this and do it like tomorrow, mm-hmm. was a pretty, I mean, I honestly, I do feel like it was probably one of the craziest things that I'd ever asked for mm-hmm. because we were going to do that blanket wholesale with, sure, some market data, but it had to be a hope and a trust, mm-hmm. too. There had to be a really big risk that he was willing to take. And we had enough information, and I stalked, yes, I will <laughs> say, I stalked three different heads of healthcare systems to get mm. their sort of, um, their take yeah. on camera. Mm-hmm. So use mm. my just mm-hmm. iPhone yep. and went out and I said, hey, you've been saying this mm-hmm. and, you know, in our conversations, will you say will you it go on, on record? record? Yeah. And they did because they said, look, you know, Mm -hmm. this is if you don't do this, we're about to kick you out Mm -hmm. or you can only have water. And I knew that that wasn't going to work. And so after enough, you know, pleasant stalking, Mm -hmm. I got all three Mm -hmm. on camera. And so when I went for the pitch, I said, this isn't just from my perspective. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what these CEOs are saying. Mm -hmm. And that was it. That was it. We walked out. It wasn't even a 30 minute conversation. Mm -hmm. And he said, "Okay, Casey. Go ahead and do it. Do it. And that was, I think, probably the, it, it made me say, I'm going to do, I'm going to take way more risks mm-hmm. in the future. I'm going to try more things because my gut said I need to do it. But then mm-hmm. I got the validation with obviously the customers and then to be able to say I'd presented my facts well enough right. to shift I mean, at the time, a hundred-year-old brand mm-hmm. to say I'm going to walk away from our signature color. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't even, uh, it takes an arm and a leg yeah. for a vendor or anyone yep. else to even get Coca-Cola red, yeah. let alone say you're not going to use it. So yeah. I was pretty, It. I still feel like to this day it's probably one of the craziest things that I ever did. Probably the stalking as well as. <laughs> no, I, but, you know, so I have a, I have a follow-up on that because yeah. I think, you know, I was going to say. How did you present that with confidence? But you had the voice of the customer with right. you to make exactly. that presentation, which I, so I get that part. But how did you have the confidence to know you needed to do this, that you needed to go do this? Because I, I think a lot of the time people don't have courage, right? Mm-hmm. Unless they have data, right? Mm-hmm. They think they have the data. But I talked to so many people and said, well, you don't begin to have the data unless your gut tells you right. there's something here and mm-hmm. I really think we should look at it. So how, how did you how did you get there? Well, I, I think the confidence comes from starting to talk to people. So mm-hmm. I was in and out of hospitals all the time. Mm-hmm. I had a very small team who was comfortable going in hospitals. Again, yep. most Coke people are just 
scared of, you know, they're like, oh, it's hospitals and people well, are they, sick. And and those were the people that were going into QSR those were the and hospitality, people, exactly. right? So, so they they're knew not, yeah. the fun, you know, mm-hmm. fries and a shake. And then yeah. you go into a cafeteria where you might be next to someone who, you know, maybe lost a, a spouse or someone yeah. else. And then very the person different. who treated mm-hmm. it, just very, very different. Mm-hmm. Not really always the fun vibes. Mm-hmm. And so that was intimidating. But then to talk to our actual customers, yep. you know, hey, um, if I were to just change what's in here or change mm-hmm. the color how would you feel about mm-hmm. that oh my gosh like yep because you know they 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 immediately started saying yes absolutely I'm getting the head nods I'm getting the oh what about this mm-hmm. you you could tell things go well when people build on your idea the yes, yes and yes or you know the but no no but mm-hmm. like you can tell that there's some buy-in. And the more yeah. I started getting that buy-in from, you know, at a ground level, I knew something, th- there was more to it. So I felt more confident because it wasn't just, I don't know, I don't know if I agree with that. It, it just kept building. It was mm-hmm. a snowball. Oh, I love that idea. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, could we try that here? When could I do that? Like yep. I kept getting the buying signals, mm-hmm. so I knew something was right. I, you know, I think um, that... All of that about talking to the customer is so important. I feel like, um, one, for building confidence and really knowing what you're talking about. But also, I think too often, uh, and particularly for us in B2B, too often people are talking to their internal team, Mm -hmm. their operations people, their engineers, the people that invented things about how they should market it and not enough time talking to the customer about how they want to, whether they want to experience something sure. or buy something and all that. So. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, I know you like my word of marketing, but mm-hmm. from a sales lens, I'm never going to do anything without validation from the customer. Mm-hmm. It's important to have. And if we do mm-hmm. our own internal dialogue all the time, that's why people think sometimes marketers come up with these lofty ideas mm-hmm. that are never going to translate in the market. Mm-hmm. You need the validation. Because they're too d- d- divorced from the organization. Right. Yep. Um, so I have a question about, okay. um, so you, you work for a company that is a Swedish mm-hmm. company founded in 1846, I believe. Yep, you're uh, right. Uh, and uh, you operate globally. So can you talk a little bit about that uh, in terms of how, how how does that impact how you go to market differently? Obviously, healthcare is very different in different mm-hmm. company, in, in different countries. Um, how, how have you sort of approach to that or that sure yeah i mean the swedish slash european slash icelandic way is Mm -hmm. very uh consensus driven it's very um kind of don't disrupt don't be in disruptive places Mm -hmm. so i think the first uh approach is saying hey in the u.s we have to be there's more of everything Mm -hmm. um you know, all of Sweden is six million people. Mm-hmm. I think right, that that's could Atlanta. be about Atlanta, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's trying bigger. to, yeah. yeah, I think Atlanta yeah. is yeah, bigger. bigger. So yeah. trying to help explain. So I have thirty major metros mm-hmm. that are bigger than all of the com- the country that we started, mm-hmm. and so we have to do things differently. Yeah. Um, you know, our our they are governmentally regulated, mm-hmm. so there are. A couple of companies that get to do things in Sweden. There's mm-hmm. so much, and we the government only gives us so many parameters mm-hmm. here. We get a lot more discretion. So just trying to level set what our market is, mm-hmm. and then saying, okay, but look, we've been successful. So let us try different things. And mm-hmm. I think what has been great about the Swedish collaboration is. If it works in the U.S., a lot of times then they want to take it and say, Mm -hmm. okay, how can we change that a little Mm -hmm. bit for our market? Mm -hmm. And so many times we're sort of the global stand-up, if you will, of, okay, well, if it did this for the U.S., there's probably a pocket of the U.S. that's like France. Right. That's like Sweden. That's like, you know, Middle East. Yeah, right. So actually looking at sub-segments and markets. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And so that's been what I think has been really great is saying, give us the runway, Mm -hmm. give us some flexibility, you know, push Mm -hmm. us when we're going a little Mm -hmm. bit too crazy, and then take our learnings, Mm -hmm. take our best practices. And so... In many ways, I feel like the global headquarters mm-hmm. sometimes are also here in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think that's fantastic, and uh, this is a great conversation. Uh, we are going to be right back with our guest, Casey Hughley. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business. 
and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. And we are back with our guest, Casey Hughley, VP of Marketing at Monlica. And we're talking about healthcare marketing today. Um, but, uh, you know, we've spent some time not only talking about healthcare and women in business and uh, Coca Cola, which is the great giant. Um, but I want to kind of um, switch for a minute. Um, you know, we've, we've had the privilege of working on, you know, huge companies. Um, and it's sometimes hard, you know, to find companies that check all the boxes, mm-hmm. right, that are that are not only fantastic in terms of their brands with their customers, but also, you know, great employers, have a great employer brand, um, and then also being out in the community. And I, I know from past work with Coke, they check, you know, a lot of these boxes. But it's always interesting to see people's take on, you know, a company I think of. And I, it's actually great education for me to learn about companies mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have thought of. But is there a brand or a company that, from your standpoint, checks all the boxes? Who is it and why? Yeah, this this is a, this is a tricky question. Uh, I really chewed on this one for a while because I think there's a lot of companies who have been we thought were such great stand-ups mm-hmm. and over the last couple of years have really been beat up and Slip. yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, you know one of those uh, I mean we could probably go mm-hmm. go deep on that but who I think has been uh, able to manage so many different storms and is in my opinion kind of one of the penultimate brands is Nike mm-hmm. and one of the main things is you know I knew even at Coke. So everybody holds up Coca-Cola as one of those master brands. Yep. If Nike came courting you, it was something to consider. And usually right. for someone like a Coca-Cola, no. Right. But even bigger than that, when everything started happening with like Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and, you know, um, LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. rights and, tra- you know, just different, even uh, different things that most companies said, maybe I'm not going to go down those mm-hmm. political pathways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nike was very clear, stood mm-hmm. in it, mm-hmm. and said, here's where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, different types of diversity was applauded. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I even think about, regardless of how you feel, Colin Kaepernick, and mm-hmm. when he they decided to still pursue this big branding with him, mm-hmm. and I think that says something to the athlete and the mm-hmm. person. But not cutting bait. Right. right. Yep. It's like, uh, we care about the people that we've brought on board, mm-hmm. and I think that says something to the longevity of the people who work there. I don't hear mm-hmm. about a lot of people who leave Nike. Yep. And then the give back. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about... Um, I think it's Play 365 Mm -hmm. plus other things about investing in people and children and getting Mm -hmm. them active. They've become much better with um, the sizes for their clothing. Mm -hmm. I just it's one of those brands that has fully lived into just do it. Mm -hmm. Like if they say they're going to do it, Mm -hmm. they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's who, you you know, as a person who wears the brand, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, now I I can do it. I'm going to go run that marathon. Mm -hmm. And they also live into it. And Mm -hmm. I just, I think, I think that's pretty impressive. I, I, there are so many brands who I think have this wonderful positioning, but maybe don't live it out completely. And the, the brands who can fully own that, mm-hmm. um, it just it says a lot. You know, it's interesting to me because you just said the word positioning, and that's what mm-hmm. I was thinking when you said, you know, I, I can just do it, and they have, you know, lived lived that slogan. I think people forget how powerful a tagline can be mm. if it is truly aligned with who you Absolutely. are. And there, there's a lot of kooky things that happen in taglines and sure. a lot of overly... Um, People overthink things or get overly clinical, and nobody can feel it. And it, but, 
but when you do have something that is aligned with who you are it, it really it also instructs the organization it does, it does. uh and, and i think it is harder in places like healthcare too. Oh. i mean other than you know whatever you know uh, i'm sure there's some healthcare system you know that has something about right healthy lives sure for all time right. blah 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 right i mean we, we get that but then how do you use that as guidance right what have i done today that stands up mm-hmm. to this measure that's how you know it's really good yeah. when everybody can say it's easy enough for me to say does this fit with our mm-hmm. positioning does this fit with our branding mm-hmm. or does it not because mm-hmm. then it's it's super hard work mm-hmm. to do it but mm-hmm. once you do it, everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And yeah, ours right now for Malika is free patients from the burden of wounds. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really powerful vision destination. Um, so I, I'm, I think we are moving to living up to it um, for sure. Explain for people listening what the, why, why the burden sure. of wounds so, and how, what exactly. So if you think do. about wounds, yep. Yep. Um, yes, because this is a, a fascinating mm-hmm. world that mm-hmm. I have moved into. Mm-hmm. So you could go and have a surgery mm-hmm. and whatever surgery you had had to be closed. Mm-hmm. So that closure, you mm-hmm. know, if you had a baby mm-hmm. and the C-section, mm-hmm. it might have been just great. And mm-hmm. they sewed you up and you had a little mm-hmm. bandage on top for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and you were good. Sometimes it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. And there could be, you could be uh, infected. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have opened it. There, mm-hmm. Anything could happen. Mm-hmm. And so that's one type of wound. Mm-hmm. Then as you get older, mm-hmm. you know, we don't move as much. Mm-hmm. You sit a lot or you lay a lot. And then maybe there's a wound that's, they, we used to call them bed sores. Mm-hmm. They're called pressure injuries mm-hmm. now. And so that could come from somewhere where you've just not moved or mm-hmm. not moved enough. And so... The goal is that we create the things in our lives to help remove that. So whether you are laying in the bed for 20 hours, you Mm -hmm. don't develop a pressure injury or you have that surgery and you heal completely. And so there are things there to help you heal. And so we really are trying to free patients from the burden of wounds Mm -hmm. because wounds, once you get one, especially if it's like that pressure injury, it can always come back. Well, and, and that's, that's something tough. to isn't um, I you know there's a lot of obesity, uh, yeah. particularly in in America yeah. more so than I think some other places, mm-hmm. um, and and diabetes is on the right right, yeah. and there's all kinds of the things, comorbidities right? that just lean absolutely, and so and one of the things that as a as a woman of color that's a big passion point for me is um, it's been a visual assessment right. in the U.S. for a really long time. Yeah. But if you have darker skin tone, how do you visually assess? Mm -hmm. You can't. And Mm -hmm. so now we're really trying to move towards looking kind of infrared and different ways to look below the skin because Mm -hmm. my eye can't detect on a person that's darker texture. Mm -hmm. I can't tell if you have a pressure injury versus if you're super fair skinned. uh, Because I'm super pale. So I would show like some some pinkness that you might not see. That I might not see. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so how do you, but that's not, so then we misdiagnose. the method, right? Right. That they're using. What is is so? Yes. Well, it's, it's, it's the, the Braden scale. So it's really just trying to look and say, okay, if, if this looks pink or Mm -hmm. if this has a little bit of, of different discoloration, Mm -hmm. but again, it's all visual. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, that's great for a certain um, skin tone, mm-hmm. but once we get a little bit darker, mm-hmm. it just makes it too hard. And so there's mm-hmm. a lot of digital technology mm-hmm. is so critical for mm-hmm. us, plus other factors yeah. so that we don't have to. So if you're diabetic mm-hmm. and you're overweight and, um, you know, maybe you hardly ever move. Mm-hmm. Well, those are different factors right. that should already tell us you're probably at a higher risk. Yeah. But then. We need to start to look, and, and we see, can't this is where look. us nerds can go down this rabbit hole. Because we were talking about taglines, and we get down the, into this. I know, but, right? No, but it's it's interesting. It's, yeah. Uh, uh, I think we just have a couple minutes okay. left, so uh, why don't we uh, speed round it a little yeah. bit? Maybe on. Um, I'm going to go over here to digital best practices. Oh. Okay, because we started in the beginning talking about digital and how hard it's been to yeah. get people to digital. So let's just that seems to be something everybody likes to talk Absolutely. about in terms of marketing. Digital so. is fun. Yeah, I mean I to me I, I'm a little bit sad about cookies, but I feel like the way to get to people now and the one I really want to get to if I can't do cookies is is social media. Mm-hmm. And TikTok, mm-hmm. having teenagers, mm-hmm. I'm learning that TikTok mm-hmm is really a game changer. Mm-hmm. There are nurses and mm-hmm. physicians out there 
educating, guiding. I mean, there's there is uh, Dr. Pimple Popper has mm-hmm. like five million people who mm-hmm. follow her. We had a meeting yesterday with a small business insurance company, and we're talking TikTok. See, mm-hmm. I just I think that that what we used to think, oh no, what's the credibility mm-hmm. there? There's just a different path, and so again, disruptive. Mm-hmm. If I'm on and I'm as they call them doom scrolling, mm-hmm. and I can find something about a wound, mm-hmm. why not? So mm-hmm. I think social media and TikTok is a big one. And then I, I, I jokingly said cookies, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, people don't go to, yes, there is Dr. Google, but if I can intersect you as you're out there, maybe shopping for some cute shoes, but I also had realized before that maybe you were looking up something about diabetic foot. Mm-hmm. Well, then maybe I can interrupt your scrolling mm-hmm. and just have a little pop-up mm-hmm. ad about, hey, think about this dressing. Well, and that goes back to, um, you know, all of these, th- any time, any type of engagement mm-hmm. that's true engagement is mm-hmm. about education, information. I mean, everybody's looking to be entertained. And if you right. can take something that's hard or that people mm-hmm. might avoid mm-hmm. and weave it into something more entertainment, you know, or entertaining, you know, you can really get more of your brand absolutely over the line sure. with people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so as we prepare to close, are, are there any final thoughts? Are there any things that we didn't cover today well, that are on your hit list? Yeah, I was yeah. actually going to ask you. So the big one for me is AI mm-hmm. because it's a little scary, especially mm-hmm. as marketers. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think we all should lean into it. So yeah. I'd love your thoughts as you work with so many different mm-hmm. clients on mm-hmm. what what do you see as the future of AI 10 years from now? Yeah. The, well, so... Of course, everybody's been talking about it 24 hours a day, and I've been in webinars, (laughs) and I've got clients, and, you know, I think the the best places that we're seeing clients really lean in and where we're leaning in are AI as it relates to KPIs and analytics, right? So, you know, when you bring together Mm -hmm. these streams in digital marketing, but you have, you know, you're talking about GPO, you have all these diverse data sources mm-hmm. like this group this distributor group has this part of the data and we have this yeah. and we have you know so really how do you bring more of that information together from okay. an assessment um i do think we had some clients that were like hey maybe we'll write copy with it you know and so there's a little bit of that you know for for short copy but the place that um I would say the the final thing that i see as a best practice with our larger global clients is how do we set up a private instance of ai Mm. because you can't just feed all of your uh, ip into chat gpt and uh so i think that's something that everybody initially played with it a little Mm -hmm. bit but then all of a sudden you're like wait a minute what am i telling it you know right uh so so i think you have to be somewhat careful um i I don't understand all of the inner workings of how you set up a private instance uh in the ai world but there are several clients that are talking about that um, in partnership with a Google or, you know, Mm -hmm. finding an on-premise. We're talking about premise. Find an (laughs) on-premise solution or Mm -hmm. something that's behind a firewall, but you're leveraging some of these technologies and using it to crawl your data. So that's a great idea. It's all good. I love it. Yes. Uh, Well, I uh, thank you very much for being an important client and a great friend. And this was wonderful. It was. Um, And uh, so that is it for today's episode. Uh, I hope uh, we have something equally as cool as schmarketing next time. Uh, Remember, there is a fine line between genius and insanity, and we're walking it. I'm your host, Moira Vetter, and we will talk to you next time on The Marketing Madhouse. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So, Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com. Horizonscreening.com.